creepy lady. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Bases Podcast Express Show. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for joining in on yet another episode of the podcast live every Thursday. Thank you for tuning in with us, especially if you're live here on Facebook. We got a couple people uh, I saw were watching on uh, on Facebook right now. Thank you for watching us because it's the NFL season opener. The Bills and Rams are playing right now. So, you know, last time I saw the Bills were winning 10 to nothing in the second quarter. Um, I got a I got a guest with me. Well, really not a guest. Uh, it's the it's the um, it's one of the hosts of the uh, full show of the Total Bases podcast. Felipe is here with me. Felipe, how you doing? It's me, Felipe. Hi, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, this actually is a makeup. You know how they they have uh, uh, makeup games in baseball, Major League Baseball. There's a makeup game to Sunday morning where I I felt ill. I feel better today though, so that's a good sign that maybe whatever it was was something fluky. But I feel great right now, uh, health wise, and I'm ready to talk some baseball with you right now. That's great. That's great. All right, so uh, we can get started with that. Oh, you went to the All Elite Wrestling, didn't you? Oh, hell yeah, I did. Oh, it was such a blast. Was it? I loved every second of it. Um, it was very memorable. Uh, I went to it last year. I think last year was a little bit better just because of all the surprises that they were able to pull off. Yeah. But uh, this past event was pretty damn good in itself. And it's right here in my own backyard, not too far from my house. Uh, very convenient. I hope they have it. Uh, I hope it becomes a Labor Day staple here in the suburbs and the, in the Chicago suburbs here. But uh, as all elite wrestling gets bigger, I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking at maybe getting into other venues like uh, the United Center or, or even the All-State Arena, depending on uh, how the WWE, because it's, it's all everything depends on the WWE, right? The World right. Wrestling Entertainment yeah. uh, due to their uh, exclusive contracts that they have with uh, these uh, major arenas across the country. But uh, AEW is making their dent little by little. And uh, uh, yeah, I... I strongly urge you guys check it out. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of drama. Uh, I feel like in a lot of the wrestling groups on Facebook, there's more talk about AEW than there is about uh, the WWE. Yeah. And uh, I even got my wife in it. Like my wife likes a couple of wrestlers in AEW. Now she's like, you know, it's become something of uh, of uh, curiosity for her. Right. So that's exciting. You know, well. I haven't, I have not watched any sort of wrestling like that. I was a wrestler in high school, but I didn't watch any sort of wrestling um, like that. I watched it when I was a kid. So this, I, I watched it when it was the undertaker stone cold, mm. the end of stone cold, Steve Austin, right. uh, Goldberg. <laughs> I had a Goldberg shirt. So, you know, that was the era of wrestling that I watched. I wouldn't even, I think the only wrestlers that I know at this point are CM Punk and, uh, Ronda Rousey. I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, and CM Punk has been causing a lot of controversy lately. I and, I, uh, I saw an article. Yeah, just, yeah, just one article. Lucky you. I've seen all the updates, and they and they'll drive you crazy. But you know what? I keep telling everybody, it's just the work. Calm down. He'll be back. He's not getting fired. He's not getting suspended. And if he does, you never know. Everything's uh, everything is uh, always a work in progress in wrestling until it's not anymore. So right. Yeah it's just a a, a a transition point to the next storyline basically is what i'm trying to say here right yeah well uh there's a big storyline going on in the aew there's a lot of drama going on in the aew but we also had a lot of a, a lot of drama at the conclusion of our um total bases champions league uh season um and that's pretty much what this podcast is going to be about this episode we're going to talk about the uh the 
the playoffs for the Champions League. Um, we decided that uh, as co-commissioners that every team was going to make it. We were going to have we were going to just be participation trophies, and everybody was going to make the the playoffs this year. Um, and so uh, it was actually really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained over there? It was it was thoroughly entertaining. We had. Um, we had big favorites go down. We had big Cinderella's. We had a lot of games really close coming down to the last game. And it was a hard fought four weeks um, of, of playoff baseball. And it ended up your two commissioners ended up in the uh, ended up in the uh, f- uh, playoff championship final there. Felipe and myself were both there. And uh, I'm going to share my screen and show you the result of that uh, after a week in our category league. We, um, it turned out that for whatever reason I could beat Felipe in the regular season, but when it comes playoff time, I always come up short, never fails. Um, Felipe at, the, uh, this time it was, it went back and forth. I was ahead of him 10, four, um, going into like Wednesday and then come Friday, he, um, Felipe was up like 12, three. something at 12, 12 three, three at one point. And on Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, I had gotten it back down to, as you can see here, it was eight and six, uh, came down to the last game. Uh, the, uh, at that point it was Dodgers and Padres. I had to get an RBI and a run from either Machado or Freeman. Um, and, and, uh, Felipe also had Haseon Kim and, uh, Trey Turner going for him. And mm-hmm. it came down to that game. And I just came up a little short. And so congratulations to Felipe for being the first total base champion. I'm going to give the soapbox to you, Felipe. Go ahead and have your victory speech. I mean, I mean, what more can I say? It's uh, it, it was it had it's fitting that I'm the one who won. It's my podcast. It's my league. Of course, <laughs> I'm going to win. All these people, they want to. Oh, yeah. Well, let us join a league with you. Let us join a league with you. Yeah, please. Next time there's an opening, let, let, let us uh, let us in. We, we want to join it. And then when they join it, they they almost uh, it gets ugly, right? Because uh, they 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 realize that I take this pretty damn seriously, you know, more serious than they anticipated. And then it becomes a whole thing. But it was it's a very fun league. Uh, congratulations to everybody who participated. Uh, the playoffs were fun. I know that uh, not everybody liked the idea of all twelve teams making the playoffs, um, but it ended up being uh, an entire month of just playoff baseball. Uh, even though it's a, of the fantasy variety. It ended up being a real uh, good time just uh, watching everybody trying to uh, set their lineups the proper way and trying to get these upset wins and prove a point. It, it really was a, a second chance of redemption. Uh, the first four teams got the bye week. So for everybody, all the uh, other eight remaining teams, it did. there was a buzz in the air that, all right, well, I'll show you this is my time to uh, kind of make up for lost time, uh, for, for lost failings or whatever. And a lot of those guys, a lot of those uh, – uh, league owners they took advantage of it um there was a lot of upsets as you mentioned as as it was prone to be i mean when you when you, when all the teams make the playoffs and you're uh you're boiling it down to one week periods at this point yeah a lot of upsets were expected not this many though i mean we start with uh uh i mean we well, could go to the playoff bracket uh yeah and i'm on it right now but i guess the uh yeah, the big upset was uh, Angel's team uh, beating Melvin's team. Angel was a number 11 seed, and, and Melvin was a number 6 seed. Who else? And then, uh, yeah, so that was a big upset in the first round. Everybody else went chalk. But uh, in the second round, that's when things got interesting because um, uh, uh, Corey, as you can see, the 7-8 game in the second round, where is it? Um, go up a little bit. That one right there. 
uh, Corey almost uh, defeated the number one team in the league, uh, Carlos. And that ended up going down to the distance and in a tie where the home team gets the tiebreaker. So Carlos was able to advance on that technicality. Uh, in the second game, uh, number five seed Austin defeated number four seed Larry. On the, in the last game, mind you, literally it came down to the last. I was mad because I was like, Larry's going to beat me. I'm so mad. Like, Larry shouldn't be beating me. I should be beating him. And it came down to probably the last two at-bats. Um, Tommy Edmond and somebody else came in and pinch it. Oh, Kiebert Ruiz came in and pinch it. They both got on, um, raised my OBP. One of them got a run, ended up turning that tie into a into a win for me in that category. And it was the difference. I ended up winning eight, seven, and one. Um, and that was really satisfying to me because Larry started – prematurely making that victory uh victory circle that victory lap and then he ended up losing so he had to eat crow um that was that was wonderful yeah and then down here you have angel really upsetting i mean he was the number 11 team he had the second worst league in the league or second worst record in the league beating ricky who we said from halfway through the season was going to be a really good solid team um and i mean angel proved that his team was better than his record showed. And then you down here with the, according to the seating, you had the upset going uh, against uh, AJ there, who was the division winner. Mm. And then of course, uh, yeah, uh, I went three and all against AJ who uh, the auto draft team um, uh, who had a, a double digit wins in this league. Uh, there were only 16 games, just like the old school NFL seasons from uh, before the year before that one. Uh, when they expanded to what 17 games now they're at 17 games the nfl is well we, we did the uniform 16 game season this year so we can have four weeks of playoffs and uh auto drafts here aj yeah was one of the better teams in the league and i can i'm proud of the fact that i was and, and he won the division by the way he won our division i'm proud to say that i did go three and zero against him i don't care that his team was auto picked or not uh it's still a major accomplishment because he you don't win 11 games by accident in this in this exactly. league uh, yeah. He and he always had the very good pitching. Hell, he's the reason why everybody's draft went into uh, into chaos because of his auto draft team selecting all the pitchers. So that really burned a lot of us. And uh, but I'm glad I was able to defeat him. So and there you go, uh, proving once again that if you want to win this Champions League, you got to show up for the draft. And Melvin's on the chat saying uh, his moniker Suplex City which now every time I see him, due to his uh, crappy appearance in the playoffs, all I see is Souffle City. <laughs> just the, the air why, just... Why do I feel like why do I feel like that Baseball Cosmos will not be his team name next year, next season? It will oh. be Suplex City. Oh, he has to come back with Baseball Cosmos. He, he has a podcast coming up soon, and uh, he has that uh, the baseball page he needs to promote. So what yeah. better way to do it? So Baseball Cosmos uh, was upset in the first round of these playoffs. That's all you need to know about Baseball Cosmos. <laughs> but uh, he'll redeem himself in the Caribbean League, uh, Caribbean League series and then the um, WBC that's coming up next uh, oh, winter so uh, coming up. I can't wait for that, man. It's, I can't wait for that. I'm withdrawal symptoms. You know what would be better right now? fantasy wbc no, i'm joking um, <laughs> i'm not not really joking but uh, uh and then the third round uh, austin defeats the number one team in the league carlos uh 11 of four uh in a very uh outstanding uh performance by your team there uh austin what was the difference making uh, uh the difference the difference in this one i think was my my offense really showed up and i had 
just the right amount of pitching. I mean, I le- I led in strikeouts um, f- for the whole league. My pitching staff led in strikeouts. I ended up getting a ton of quality starts. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know where I got it from, but I ended up getting two saves. Um, and then hmm. just, they weren't just my pitchers just were not letting anybody on, um, on base. Um, I had a feeling that I was going to do pretty well offensively. It was my pitching that was going to be kind of my downfall, which is what ended up being my downfall in the championship game. But I had enough um, good pitching in that in, in this one to take down pretty much the best team in the league. I mean, Carlos went 14 and two. Um, he was a late addition to the league pretty much last minute. I think it was like two days before the draft, we added him. Um, we had yeah. a last minute uh, cancellation, uh, last minute guy backed out. And uh, we asked Carlos and Carlos was gracious enough to accept our invitation. And uh, he, he didn't disappoint. He did really well, yeah. drafted really well. And he stuck with most of the players that he drafted. He did not, uh, he was not on the waiver wire very often. Um, so that was another thing that was really impressive. You had two extremes. You had uh, Carlos, with um not being on the waiver wire a whole lot and then you had people like um angel and you had people like uh melvin who they were all over the waiver wire all the time so it was it was really interesting to see the different strategies and what was going to work and what wasn't and usually there's got to be some sort of activity on the waiver wire for each team and carlos i don't think touched the waiver wire until like four weeks left in the regular season and the injuries uh finally caught up to him i bet yeah so it was just, it was, it was a really interesting phenomenon. There was a lot of interesting strategies that ended up working. Um, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to the Roto ranking. It's actually Corey actually got the least amount of uh, waiver wire moves. Remember, Carlos had nine midway through the season when we did yeah. those reviews. Yeah. He ends up with 21, and then he's Puerto Rican. So 21, Roberto Clemente. So <laughs> it's, it's a perfect number that you can get if you're Carlos. But Corey, De- our guy Corey, only had nine moves all season long, which is really wow. weird to me. But, uh, but yeah, when you have Mike Trout and Mookie Betts on your team, you really don't have to do much. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. He, if he just does a little bit more, maybe maybe Corey can uh, get over that hill. But he's yeah, learning. I he's mean, learning. Corey, Corey performed well for not using any spreadsheets and using the good old eye test. He did very well. Um, and it being his first year, yeah, I was in, I was impressed. Man, uh, maybe if he gets the spreadsheets, he might go over that, get over that hump, right? So, right. I mean, Angel was able to. Yeah, Angel got over <laughs> that hump, but I mean, you know, when you look at Angel's record, Angel was four and twelve. He was the second worst record in the league. But yeah. I, I mean, I wrote, I wrote it in the post, in the post that um I had um thanking all of the members that joined this league. He just mm-hmm. had the worst luck that I had ever seen a fantasy team endure. I mean, just. Close match after close match after close match. He'd always lose it. It was always by some dumb thing that happened. And he never, like, it just never worked in his favor until the playoffs, which was the right time for it to work out. And he ended up coming in, what, fourth? So Yeah, he lost to me in the, yeah. in the semifinal. So, I mean, it's it's was an impressive run right there at the end. He got hot at the right time. And it pretty much showed that his team was better than what his record showed. Um, so yeah. But, and then obviously uh, in the finals, we already talked about it. We have you winning, uh, you beating me in the finals. Yeah. And speaking of uh, angel angels in the chat, Melvin's in the chat, uh, they're saying hi to each other and you know, they're at the kitty table. Well, the champions are talking here, <laughs> uh, really quick. Uh, the average waiver wire move in this league was 32 transactions, ad drops, I guess I should call them 32 ad drops was the average 
Only four teams went above that average. Uh, Corey, Corey Richmond, uh, Matt Nyland, Melvin, and yourself, and myself, sorry, not you, but me, the champion, <laughs> with 80, 81 big moves, mostly for my pitching. Um, How I many already, did I have? Uh, you had 23. Wow. Yeah. So – uh, it's it's weird how that worked out, but I know I needed a lot of pitching because I, I waited to the very end, uh, nearly uh, at the very last minute, I, I ended up getting a starting pitcher. My ace was Framber Valdez, and so you can only imagine how uh, bad everything else was. Um, uh, but yeah, I just kept working on it, kept working on it, kept working on it, kept working on it, and it was the pitching that got me over the, over the hump there. Yeah. yeah. Who said I didn't have any pitching? I, Logan Gilbert pitched a dandy of a game. Thank you, Austin, for that trade. You're welcome. Um, uh, what was the other guy? Spencer Strider showed up at the end. Uh, D- Dustin May is just sitting there on waivers. No one else wants Dustin May, even though there's no there's no restrictions uh, with who can get a, 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 a an ad drop because uh, everybody is scheduled to play games. So if you need to improve your team, go and improve your team. I'm not I'm, I don't discourage anyone from doing that. But there was a lot of good pitchers that were just available at the very end. Jeffrey Springs is another name that kind of saved my season and my pitching staff. And the other one was Nick Lodolo, who I just picked up just specifically for our matchup together, Austin. Yeah. I picked up Nick Lodolo and Brian Bello because I wanted to make sure that I had the same amount of starts that you had. You had seven going into our game. So I, I was scrambling looking for guys that can get me to seven starts for that final week. That on top of my pitching just getting crapped on. I mean, yeah. that week my pitcher got my pitches, my pitching got crapped on. I think. The first three or four days, I think my pitching had a six ERA, something like that. It was ridiculous. I was getting rocked on both my points league and in this league. I was just like Felipe, by the way, Felipe in both leagues. Yeah, I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. (laughs) Both both leagues, my pitching was getting crapped on. And I was like, could it get any worse? Like, all I wanted to do was win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I am there as a roadblock to your dreams there, Austin. I am not going to just let you have it just because. Yeah. No, it's only, the apprentice has to learn before he can be the master. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, you know, moving into, you know, we, talk, we talked a lot about um, teams being better than what the record showed and things like that. So we decided about what a quarter of the way through the season that we were, that we were going to ESPN does not do Roto Roto standings. Um, So we decided that we behind the scenes, we were going to do these Roto standings going on. Um, And I pretty much ran the Roto standings essentially every couple weeks or so I would uh, check the, check the league leaders for each and rank them all. Um, obviously red is really good. If you got, um, red, if you were first, you got 12 points. If you were last, you got one point and anywhere in between you got those subsequent totals. You add them all up. The highest total was, was uh, the higher, the total, the better, the, the better your offense or your team or your pitching or whatever. Um, so obviously I just took our, um, I took our categories and you know runs home runs total bases rbis all of that you can see that on the screen here um and i just we ranked them out and so when you av- when you uh rank them out in to- according to the um according to total offense felipe at the very end ended up being the best offense with 80 Damn. points and Damn then right. and then and then ricky with 75 and then i was at 74 and then it drops off a little bit carlos at 58 Corey decker at 56 and then Larry at uh, 55 rounding out the, uh, what is that top six there? 
Um, Felipe, I mean, having a strong offense leading in runs, total bases, RBIs, and uh, being second in stolen bases. I was saying this in the chat. You are top. You were top three in all but one offensive category. That one offensive category, you had the most strikeouts in the league. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just, I just thought it was funny. You had the most strikeouts in the league, but you had the third highest average and the highest OBP by the end of the season. Damn right, I do. I always target that OBP, always. Uh, but it's surprising that I get, uh, I, I got a lot of stolen bases because I, I normally don't draft for stolen bases. Mm-hmm. You know how I am about those players that only are stolen base specialists. Right. I don't trust them. I don't believe in them. They come with so much, so many flaws that it's not even worth it. I mean, Cedric Mullins I had this year and I felt like he kind of underwhelmed, but um, he did enough just to get by. I was expecting a, at least a 2020 season from him this year. And instead, we ended up getting, uh, what is it? Uh, I mean, the 30 stolen bases are there, but only 13 home runs and a 322 on base percentage, which is, I don't think that's what he did last year. Uh, I think he was, I think much, he was much better last year. Yeah, I'm actually 360 and a 291 batting. So he, could, he he didn't even give me a batting average because he was he had 260-something this year compared to 291 last year. So, uh, yeah, so that ended up being a disappointment. That's why I don't trust these guys who steal bases. But, yeah, uh, him and along with Trey Turner, which, as you remember, I was happier. I was happy as a clam when you guys let me have Trey Turner in the yeah. first round. Yep. And then I also have Aaron Judge, and he's the reason why I pretty much lead in a lot of these categories you just mentioned. Yeah. Well, he chipped in 16 stolen bases. Can you believe that? I, I was shocked when I saw that he had 16 stolen bases for as big of a man as he is. He can swipe some bags. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was shocked. Although, and you had that strategy i had a completely different strategy my strategy my the the way that my team was made up was completely different i was second in runs and third in total bases but i had the least strikeouts in in the league the most stolen bases the highest average and the second biggest obp so the peeps or the second largest obp so the people that felipe was trying to avoid i grabbed so i grabbed the tommy edmonds the miles straws the you know um I mean, I grabbed so many of those guys. Well, I can't even think of them well, right all now. All those guys, I, I the, the two names you just mentioned, Tommy Edmund and Miles Straw, I was actually looking to get them, but later in the draft, and I think you you valued them so much more than I did that that there was no chance in hell I was going to get to those guys. because Tommy just, Edmund I, especially. Tommy Edmund I was eyeing a lot. Yeah, so. I just uh, I couldn't justify uh, the price that he went. I, I'm pretty sure you got him earlier than I ever wanted him to, but that's that we, we discussed that already on the, uh, in previous episodes, go yeah. check us, go check those episodes out. But yeah, I just, a lot of those guys, I just, I just couldn't justify no way. Uh, and so uh, you also had Michael Harris, a second who yeah. we talked on the total basis podcast before as someone you need to keep an eye on. And uh, sure enough, as soon as we talk about him, he gets called up by the Braves and everybody uh, made a beeline to get him. And uh, I actually had him on my team for a split second, but I was, uh, I had no room for him anymore after like a couple of days. So I cut him and then I guess you picked him up right away. I picked him up very shortly after that. And he was a mainstay in my outfield. I don't, I think he was in my, I think he was in my outfield for like six or seven straight weeks. Like I never Mm. took him out because I just knew that he was going to be a type, the type of guy that produced and he was on a winning, you know, that, that Braves lineup. I said it, um, I said it last week um, that, Michael Harris, I think, is going to be a pick to click, especially next year, because of that lineup that they have right now at, at in Atlanta. And I think that 
that lineup in Atlanta really set set him up really well to perform well, and it worked out well for my fantasy team. So, how different would your season have gone if Jake, if Jazz Chisholm was still healthy? If Jazz Chisholm was still healthy, I don't know. I I, I can't say that I would be the 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 champion of the league because my downfall was pitching. Mm. Um, I think it would have been much more difficult to um for for you to win um because i mean i mean we could take a look back at the at the scoreboard here um let's see total bases i probably would have gotten a couple more total or that's you um runs i mean he's at the top of the lineup in that marlins lineup i could have probably gotten a couple more runs um he i believe does he steal bags i think he steals i think he steals a little bit he's uh uh, 12 stolen bases and 200 plate appearances or at best i should say he would have stolen some bags. He would have gotten me a couple RBIs. I think it would have been very, uh, I think it would have been tougher on the offensive side of the coin, but I, I don't know. Like I said, my downfall was pitching. So I don't know if the result would have been any different, but I think it would have been much more difficult. I would have had um, a easier time making my lineup for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, what's his face? Angel uh, pointing out that he was third. He's surprised that he was third in stolen bases uh, to finish off the season. Well, then he, then he found out he was third worst. He, uh, uh, he, he was reading third worst? wrong and he's third. Oh, he's reading it wrong. Okay. I got it. Yeah. He's reading it wrong. He was, he was third worst in stolen bases. Uh, when we go to stolen bases, we can uh, let's see, we can order that right now. Uh, it was me, then you. And then it was a tie between Carlos and Matt Nyland for, for third. Um, Angel, as you can see, was down here at uh, third to last. Sorry, so. Angel. I thought we had something going for you, but I guess not. So uh, he, his team, he held strikeouts. He held his strikeouts quite a bit, and then he had a high OBP too. But what really I think helped him out, he had a little bit of a better pitching staff, especially when it came to a bullpen. Um, so you know, I'll move over to the uh, to the pitching here. Uh, so let me order this and all right there we go so in terms of pitching we have uh carlo it's it works the same way we did our categories and the points and whatever so we have carlos by far this season had the best has the best pitching staff he had 83 points and then i ended up having the second best pitching staff for the season it didn't act like it in the in the uh playoffs but you know it is what it is uh i had 73 and then aj had 68 auto draft pitching he had all the pitchers so and then you were in fourth at 63 and then Corey and melvin uh the two heathens podcast hosts uh were tied uh rounding out the top five at 62 points uh and, and angel was right there he had 55 points in uh, in seventh place there um and you know he had holds he had uh you know kind of a smaller era he was able to collect some wins and some um quality starts but i mean Carlos, we got to take, you know, when you look at Carlos, he had the most innings pitched, most quality starts, the most wins, um, second lowest ERA, the lowest whip. He was a really hard, um, that I think that's what was a big part of his season was his pitching staff was just really difficult to, to take on and defeat. A really quick show note, Corey Richmond on the, he's on the chat as well saying that, uh, he's kind of laughing at the fact I won't say laughing, but I guess mocking at the idea that he was last in every single category that was posted, I guess, in the hitting side of things. Um, but uh, yeah, he, remember, he's the guy who uh, did not pick a white player until the 20th round. Yeah. And, and that player was Steven Strasburg. The kooky strategy king. 
Yeah, it did not work at all. No, Try better not. strategy next year. <laughs> um, and I mean, he had good players and they just fell to injury. Like he picked up Tatis, Tatis and, you know, Tatis has ringworm. And so he he's going to be gone for a while, um, you know, and it just didn't work out. That that strategy didn't work out. I think it was just a weird mix. And he had a little bit of everything, but not he didn't have necessarily anything that he was strong in that he could build on. And I think that was the problem there. He had a little bit of everything, but he didn't have enough of anything to win. Yeah. Yeah. He too should uh, consider investing in our cheat sheets next year. Uh, <laughs> really quick, uh, uh, quick note as well. Corey, I actually saw Richmond. I, I saw him at the uh, AEW all out event on Sunday. He was there with me. So uh, always good to uh, do these baseball life meetups and, Baseball Life is the base, the Facebook baseball group that we're in. It's called yeah. Baseball Life. If you're listening to audio only and you don't know what Baseball Life is, just type it up. Search for us. We're right there. Baseball Life, we're about 8,000, 9,000 people strong. And uh, we're constantly meeting people from all over the country, like Corey from New York, who came to Chicago to watch this wrestling event. Uh, Angel, you, the comment of the night from Angel. Turns out, he says, I'm the real holds king. <laughs> So for a little bit of context, those of you who uh, who were not privy to the private chat, Larry, um, you know, he he liked to hold on to weird stuff. He had weird accolades and, um, you know, he had weird things that he liked to hold on to. And the one thing was he was either mediocre or sucked in everything, but he had the most holds and he thought he was going to go to the playoffs and do something special because he had the most holds. And then he ended up getting Nick Castellanos, who he tried to trade for. He tried to trade Jordan Alvarez and Bo Bichette for, you know, um, Nick Castellanos. And it had to, we had to put a stop to that uh, because that, that was just way too unbalanced. And, you know, all of this stuff happened. And yeah, he kept saying, I'm the holds king. I'm the holds king. I'm the holds king. He even nicknamed himself. I think at one point he nicknamed himself holds king in the chat. And about what three weeks left in the season, Angel took him over. And I mean, I had to really quick put in the chat. Oh yeah. By the way, Larry, you're not the holds King anymore. And <laughs> he was like, no, I'm still the holds King. I was like, no, bro, you're not. And he never was after that. Um, you know, he came fact, close though. He came very he, close. He came close. He was second, but you know, it went, it went to angel. So angel is now the rightful holds King. Uh, for now, we should we should do an award next year. Um, holds King, just holds hold. King. Yeah, hold this. Um. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So there, there, there's that little bit of context. Good comment. That was that was a good comment. And you know, we we do this live every week. So if you want to come in, join Baseball Life, interact with us. We're we're in the comments there. I mean, we've got Melvin in there right now. Corey Richmond's in there right now. Uh, angels in there right now people from the league and we, we welcome anybody in the chat you got a question ask us it's you know we love the interaction um we can go ahead and quickly move on to um our overall total offense and pitching roto standings and i'll just go over really quickly um and i'll go from the bottom We'll go from the bottom. So uh, Corey Richmond, unfortunately, he's already made fun of himself. He's at, he had 57 points. He, according to the Roto standings, he did not do well. He was the worst team in the league. Uh, Matt Nyland, bless his heart. He tried. Um, it just didn't, it didn't work out this year, but 
he he made light of it in the in the chat. He he was at he's at 67 points. Jake was at 72. Um, and then Larry, I'll give Larry this. He improved. He had he had 97 points, but he was still sucked. Um, and then you had Melvin at 103. You had Angel at 107. You had AJ at 108. Rounding out the top five and fifth is Ricky at 110. Fourth was Corey Decker at 118. And then, yes, and then I see in there, uh, Corey Richmond, he says, I tried to. Yes, you did. You did try. I will give you that. Um, and then um, 141 points for Carlos, 143 points for Felipe. Even though I didn't win the championship, I'm still going to take home that according to the Roto standings, I was the best team in the league. Um, I had 147 points um, overall. So I, I will take that as I will take and take that in a ride into off into the sunset in this year with that. I will have a, a black eye for not winning the championship, but I can say that according to the Roto standings, I was the best. Um, oh, well, that's what you get for trying to uh, control your narrative there. <laughs> what the hell was that about? Here, here's a narrative for you. The two podcast hosts end up going to the championship game. How about how's that for a narrative? Yeah. Oh, and, and the numbers suggest that we were the best two teams in the league. Yep. Uh, and Carlos was there too, as well, in third place. So, yep. It's ridiculous. I mean, I tell you, man, everybody wants to play in a league with me until they actually play in a league with me. And then it gets, then feelings get hurt, pettiness arises. I, but yeah, I'll be uh, working on my other championship banner really soon. Don't worry about it, guys. Uh, you'll <laughs> see it. You'll be seeing it regularly on this podcast for sure. And uh, I think the, I think a big contributor to our uh, success here, both in a points league and in our, um, in, in this league, on the offensive side, anyway, was the spreadsheets that we made preseason. Um, you know, bo- uh, both Felipe and I worked together on making these, uh, making the spreadsheet, this ranking of fantasy hitters. It was something that I think what we had like 700 something hitters by the end of it. Um, it was, it was a, a lot. It was a lot. It was a ton of work. Months of work went into that. Lots of learning more about Google Sheets and stuff like that. Um, Excel. Um, long nights trying to get it all done, and we were sharing uh, it on the show. We did. You ready? You ready? What? It was uh, 359 hitters, 235 starting pitchers, <laughs> and I'm counting, and it's uh, 185 relief pitchers that we went through. So yeah, Just, about 700 something players. Uh, I guess I don't know. You're the math whiz. Yeah, it's about seven. It's about 750, I think, somewhere around there. So, I mean, it, it was a lot losers. Work, a big undertaking. And then after all of that hard work, we decided that we were going to share it with you guys. Um, and some people took up on took it up on it. People in our league took took up on it. We had um, Angel take a, take it up and use it as well during our draft. And you could tell who was using the spreadsheet and who wasn't because <clears throat> because mm-hmm. Felipe and I were drafting kind of the same people. And then, um, yeah, that pissed me off by the way. Yeah. And then Angel, Angel snuck in and stole some of the people that both Felipe and I wanted. And so, you know, it was just really, yeah, I I guess that's a, that was an unforeseen consequence of having, having the same spreadsheet was we both wanted the same players. Yeah. Um, yeah, So the three of us were sharing the spreadsheet and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, I, I take pride that I'm able to, uh, I mean, you're seeing it. My, 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 the, the pitching, the starting rotation that I went with for the championship game is basically the back end guys on the, on the starting pitching spreadsheet. 
Yeah. All the and plus all the guys that we've mentioned before on the podcast uh throughout the season, like Brian Bello, Sean mentioned him as one of his minor league guys to keep an eye on. Uh, but Dustin May was also where was he on our cheat in my cheat sheet here? Because after I gave you the cheat sheet, we ended up uh, kind of tweaking it. So yeah, we Dustin- both tweaked it to our personal thing. Yeah, our personal preferences. Like I had for hitters anyway. I had Tommy Edmond in terms of second baseman. I think I had him like fifth, and I think you had him like tenth. Well, Dustin May was 159th overall on my on my starting pitching spreadsheet. <laughs> But, you know, and but there he was just sitting there. No one's taking him. No one wants to win this league. So I guess I'll have to do it myself. So, yeah, he ended up being instrumental. But again, we don't we didn't draft every single person on that spreadsheet. I mean, it's a lot of pitchers. And it is. but a lot of those guys, they don't. I mean, Hunter Brown is he's listed as a, a, probably at 160, 160th or something. Hunter Brown is now starting for the Houston Astros because Justin Verlander went down. Oh, Justin Verlander went down. I didn't even know that. Yeah, uh, he went down with, uh, oh, what the hell, a uh, calf injury, I believe. Oh. Uh, Nick Lodolo was player number 121 on this cheat sheet. He ends up helping me win this championship in this league. So you never know. And, and then the other guy, Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider, remember that we kind of touched just in passing. We, hey, check out the Spencer Strider. He might turn into something. And, and we all did. agree. And uh, but he, he like superseded all my expectations, though. For real. I mean, I did not see this coming at all. I saw, well, if he ever figures out how to pitch, he might be a, a nice little pitcher to kind of keep an eye on later on in the season. And he just just took it, took everything. And oh, my God, it was so impressive what he did this year. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, but that's what happened. Um, you, you never know with these pitchers. That oh, no, that's the, the Spencer Turnbull, Spencer Howard. So Spencer Strider's not even on this list. That's how we were done with this. Like, all right, all right, nice little pitcher, but he's not going to be on, uh, he's not going to be on anybody's radar. And then he did, he ended up being on somebody's radar. But I remember that we talked about him. He was on the stat cast numbers that we did from last year. And on the projections, he had some decent numbers for a guy who was going to be, uh, who only was supposed to appear on a part-time basis. And I just remember that we did touch base on him and we all agreed that, yeah, he might turn into something. Now he might be a Sun Young candidate or at the very least, Rookie of the year this year. Rookie of the year, NL rookie of the year for sure. Um, so I just really quickly wanted to touch base on the spreadsheet. So I decided I was really curious. And when I get really curious, I end up doing a lot of late night work because, well, I can't sleep. So I <laughs> I decided that I was going to take all of the um, qualified hitters, separate them by position, um, and take their stats as of September 4th uh, which was the end of the end of our season and just rank them. Right. And as you can see here um, in terms of first baseman, anyway, I had 23, 23 first basemen that ended up being, that ended up being qualified hitters at the time. And I just wanted to compare it to our spreadsheets and see if we were sort of accurate. So let's take a look at this here. So in terms of first baseman, number, uh, number one, Paul Goldschmidt, we had him at fifth. Right. And I don't think any of us could have foreseen this, you know, possible triple crown, you know, NL MVP front runner season. We thought he was going to be good, but he's on a whole nother level, but we still decided that he was going to be pretty good. Freddie Freeman. We, he was the number two in terms of Roto. We had him number two on our spreadsheet. Vladimir Guerrero. He's number three here. We had him at number one. Pete Alonzo finished very close to where we had him. The only surprising one right, right now is kind of Luis Arias. 
but I think it's because he changed positions and then Nathaniel Lau at, you know, he was 17th. He ended up eighth, but the rest of these guys in the top 10, we had them somewhere in the top 10 and they are fairly close to where we had them ranked. Mm. Right. And then you had Christian Walker at 30 Ty France is pretty close. Reese Hoskins is pretty close. Like we, we did, you know, the, it shows that the months of work that we did, whatever we're doing, it pay, it's paying off and it's, and it's pretty accurate. Would, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, especially for the hitters. I mean, it's getting, it's pretty clear that hitters are a lot more um, predictable than the pitchers are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty easy to do it, but, but we had the projections and the stack has numbers to show that this is the way it should be. And, uh, but yeah, nobody saw Paul Goldschmidt, but we did see that Paul Goldschmidt would definitely be better than guys like Josh Bell, Jose Abreu, Max Muncy, Joey Votto, even Jared Walsh. So that, that Jared that, Walsh, you want to see where he's at? Uh, where Jared Walsh in terms of roto standings dead yeah, last. last. Yeah. Dead and last. He, he was a top 10 first baseman for me this year. And I, I never trusted him, but I figured, well, decent lineup with Shoyo Tani and Mike Trout. Uh, it seems like he has a job all to himself. Let's roll the dice with him. Put him in the top 10. He he should be better than CJ Crone and Anthony Rizzo and even Nate, Nate Lowe as well. Nope. And it turns out he was worse than all those guys, apparently. So, yep. yeah, uh, it, that would that it kind of surprised me. But at the same time, when you have one good season and then you fall and you try and follow it up, it's tough. It's really hard. So that's why I kind of I always say I don't necessarily I need to see more than one season. So even though he was on my angels, I didn't have him as high as you did because of, of that. He had one good season. I need to see another one before I think, before I foresee him being real. I'm sorry, um, which player? I missed it. Which player? Jared Walsh. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, yeah. second baseman, again, you're seeing it here. Jose Altuve, we had third was first Marcus Simeon. We had second is second Tommy Edmond. I had him at fifth. Personally, I had him at fifth um, preseason rank. We had him at 10th. He ended up third. Um, you had a couple surprises here, but you know, Tyro Estrada, Wilmer Flores, they're both on the same team, both ranked in shortstop. The, the only, the things that we're seeing here that I, the, the interesting thing that I thought here, um, was interesting was the top, some of the top second basemen in Roto were our lower ranked shortstops. So it was like, they moved over from short to second and they did well there in, in terms of fantasy production. Yeah, and that's the name of the game is just trying to see which of these bottom-feeding shortstops are going to be able to climb up the rankings. Yeah. Uh, and shortstop was so deep this year that it wasn't worth uh, risking that because after you get to a certain I mean, level – I mean, look at ahead. the names on shortstops right here. Yeah. That co- that covered the top ten. Yeah, I see Bobby Witt, Nico Horner ended up being a serviceable uh, sec- uh, middle infielder. But – at the beginning of the season, would you take a risk at, at an eco Horner, even if it's late in the draft? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, Elvin he's waiver wide. Yeah. Well, Cup fans are going to Cup fans, I guess. <laughs> no, but no, he's having a, a terrific season. Corner is, and uh, he's living up to some of that. Uh, he's taking advantage of his skills, you know, which is a high contact rate. And the Cubs always believe that he had some pop in his bat. It's just, you know, frustrating to kind of wait to see if it comes to fruition or not. But yeah, I think the big name would have been Gavin Lux and he came with a lot of question marks into yeah. the season, especially with the way the Dodgers managed their hitters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's not uh, yeah. So if you, it, it's, it, it wasn't worth risking to wait around for one of these uh, bottom feeding shortstops. Those guys who were ranked outside the top 20, top 25, right. because there's so many good shortstops at the, that were at the top of the list that I guess the, the big, I guess the big chance you would have taken one 
would have been with Fernando Tatis Jr., who I have him ranked at number 10 on my list of shortstops. Right. And it turns out that if you drafted Tatis, you 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 were screwed. <laughs> you, you lost out. I mean, we saw that with Corey Richmond. He drafted Tatis and he was screwed because after that, you know, when you draft somebody that high, you kind of lose out on that position afterwards because you're like, oh, well, I got Tatis. I'm good. Right. It, well, it turned out that wasn't the case. So, right. Yep. Um, you know, we're winding down to the end of the show. The other thing that I wanted to say, the other thing that I wanted to say was probably people are like, oh, well, you only have 19, 20 people on here. Of course, it's going to look, it's going to look, you know, accurate because of that. I mean, catchers was the same. We had a lot of our top 10 was in the, was in the top there. There were only six qualified catchers. I, I didn't want to change the constraints when it came to catcher um, third baseman. We had 19 third baseman and it looks accurate as well. I mean, look at all the single digits here. They yeah. just kind of switched yeah. around. The only one that's a surprise is Brandon Drury who wasn't even on the list. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then, but so I wanted to pull out outfield, right? Cause outfield is bigger. Yeah. And, and, so and deeper too. I think it is. It's much deeper. So we have 45 qualified outfield hitters right now. And just take a look at the top. Up top, Mookie Betts, we had him at number three. Aaron Judge, number two, we had him at eight. Um, Jordan Alvarez, we had him at seven. Starling Marte, we had him just outside the top ten. He ended up four. Kyle Tucker, we had him at six. Juan Soto was first. Juan Soto, I don't know how many people are saying Juan Soto is having a fantastic season. He's having a good season, but not a fantastic season. The Roto rankings in fantasy and fantasy are saying that he's he's having a great season. We had him ranked first. We had George Springer in the top 10. Julio Rodriguez, he was a rookie. You never know how rookies are going to go. Oh, I just realized oh. those are your rankings. I'm sorry to cut you off, but those are your rankings. Those were the previous. Those were so those were the rank rankings in the preseason before our tweaks. I still have <laughs> I still have the ones before we tweaked. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I yeah. thought maybe that you might have tweaked those. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, no, go ahead. I, I tweaked them too, but I put that on a different spreadsheet. Yeah, because in the end, I'm looking at the one that I used for this podcast league, and Marte's ranked number 18th on my list, and George Springer's ranked number 19 on this list. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but <laughs> go on, continue. Sorry about that. Oh, so, I mean, what what we have here is still pretty accurate, but again, outfield is so deep, you're still going to see some sort of like. Julio Rodriguez. I don't think any of us saw Julio Rodriguez being the eighth best fantasy outfielder in, in, a, <laughs> in a category league, right? Right. Um, Randy Rosarena, we had 25th. He could have very well have been top 10, right? He could have very well been, been top 10 in our spreadsheet. He just didn't land there. Um, Ian Happ, I was shocked at. Um, Adolis Garcia, he was ranked down there. I mean, you know, but here, here it is again. Cedric Mullins, right? He was 13th best as an outfielder. We had him ranked 14th. Right. So, I mean, we have, it's pretty close. It's pretty accurate. So, you know, I, I feel like the spreadsheets anyway have been a success. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, I don't, I, I find that if I use them as a suggestion that they work out well, but when I use them as Bible, as, um, as law, that's where I get screwed. Like I, I, I ended up in my cheat sheet for this league. I ended up drafting both Marcelo Zuna and Akil Badu because Ozuna was my 24th ranked outfielder. And uh, Badu was number 27 on my list that I used for this uh, league. 
And had I been a little bit more shrewd and 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 not fallen in love with this these outfielders, I could have I could have gotten Julio Rodriguez in this league, or maybe I would have gotten Miles Straw from you, or because these are guys that are ranked lower on my list. Uh, if I would have waited on outfield a little bit longer, maybe I would have gotten. I guess it, I guess that the it just oh Seiza Suzuki that's another good name there. Seiza Suzuki could have gotten him if I would have waited just a little bit longer, but I didn't. Go ahead. I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned going in um, uh, this season was I don't need to draft so many outfielders in yeah, both the leagues yeah. that in, in all the leagues that I played this year, I drafted too many outfielders and it ended up being, it ended up being a disservice to me because then I didn't have enough infielders and I needed more infielders. And there was a good outfielding, good fantasy playing outfielder were a dime a dozen because there's just so many outfielders. Yeah. Um, so I think next year is going to be more of a focus on pitching and, uh, pitching an infield. And, um, you know, I'll, I, I mean, I will clamor at the chance to get an Aaron judge or a Mike trout or somebody like that. But I'm, you know, when it comes to those, those not superstar name outfielders, I can wait on them because I have other, other, you know, they're, they're outfielder outfielders are much deeper. Yeah. And then there's plenty of uh, infielders who do qualify to outfield as well. That should help you out as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, th- yeah, you're right. There is a lot of guys out there. Uh, I'm just kind of looking down the up and down the list. Uh, I know Ian Happ was on my second tier of outfielders. Was so that was Ian Happ would have been ranked number. I guess he was at top fifty. He's just on the fiftieth best outfielder on my list. Yeah, and he ended up going way up the rankings because he had, he did have a ended up having a really good season here. Uh, Max Kel- comments is he's going to draft closers. That's his lesson. <laughs> yeah, only only I could pull that off. I mean, not everybody could. <laughs> just be careful doing that because you can get burned. I mean, uh, I had to because everybody kept picking starting pitchers. So I'm like, all yeah. right, well then I'll, I'll I'll just pick Josh Hader and and Emmanuel Classe then, and and then I ended up working. I also got Camilo Duvall and Paul Seawall, but uh, Seawall got off to a really bad start in Seattle this year and uh he ended up writing the ship he ended up becoming one of the better relievers this year yeah eventually eventually and then coming to the ball I, I traded him to you for uh Logan Gilbert so the, uh Logan yeah Gilbert ultimately. and Nick Castellanos you ended yeah. up giving me uh Brendan Donovan and Camilo Duvall yeah, and both of those guys were on your bench. So I oh no no Donovan was starting for you, but he batted like a dollar forty three or something. Yeah, no, and, yeah, and that last week it didn't work out well. And then Camilo Doval, when I got him, was doing well, and then he's got rocked second half of the season. So that ended up not being good for me either. But I didn't have anybody else for saves. I had Scott Barlow, but Scott Barlow wasn't doing very well. So that was after a while, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to put Christian Javier in the, in the relief pitching spot and just punt saves. Cause I don't have anybody for saves. So I needed to get other, other pitching categories it ended up working for me all the way up to the end. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at some names here that were not drafted unless I, I, I didn't uh, mark all of these pitchers down. Here's a guy, a couple of guys who didn't get drafted in this league. Tony Gonsolin and George Kirby. Yeah. Wow. And Brady Singer, too, was not drafted in this league either. They ended up getting picked up there pretty shortly after. Oh, absolutely. You have to. But that's what I'm talking about. Even even when there's um, uh, 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 
what, what what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, even when you think that all the pitches were all the good pitches were drafted, there was like a lot of good pitches that were just sitting on waiver wires waiting to be picked up, uh, just because of uh, various reasons that uh, that they were not in that they were not selected by any of these teams. I'm trying to see if anybody, Taiwan Walker, it's another guy who didn't get drafted in this league. Um, and who? Well, let's give you one more name. Just Miles Mikolas. I mean, I had him for a week or two, and then I got tired of his act and. I dropped him and then you picked him up right away. I Oops. picked him up. I saw, I saw one start and I was like, I got to pick this guy up. And he ended up being a horse for that, for my team, just a horse. I mean, he never, he was pitching seven, six, seven innings, a, a start. He was, you know, uh, not let, not allowing base runners. He, he wasn't a big strikeout guy, but I didn't need strikeouts. I needed whip. So yeah. that's what I got him for was whip. And he, he helped me, you know, he helped me get better in whip by the end of the year. Yeah. And that's the reason I, I just lost patience with him. Cause I know I've had Mikolas before and I know what kind of pitcher he is. He's not going to get you the strikeouts and he's a uh, mostly uh, a pitch to contact pitcher. And I have a small leash on those guys because they just, I'm very impatient with those guys and I don't want to deal with not having the strikeouts and constantly having to depend on guys who are uh, trying to force hitters to, uh, hit for weak contact and yeah. hey when it works it works wonderfully like it did with Nicholas this year but I've seen what happens when it doesn't work for him at all and it's it's not a pretty sight either so yeah. uh, but good for you you took advantage of it still wasn't enough for you to win this was championship uh, Reed Detmers is another guy that's uh, showing up here I know that he was uh, uh, kind of a late bloomer this season but he was another guy who didn't get drafted mm-hmm. uh, in this league uh and one more big name, just because uh, Dustin May already mentioned, but he was hurt to start the season too. Yeah, he doesn't count because uh, now we're getting. Oh, Juan Duran wasn't drafted. Yeah, I had him listed as a starting pitcher, but ultimately he would become a relief pitcher. But he wasn't drafted in this league. And uh, if you were if you were feeling adventurous, uh, he was there for the taking. If you wanted to really uh, look deep into some of the the names here on the spreadsheet, uh, and of course, how can you not talk about the 2022 season without talking about two Cy Young Award candidates, according to everybody I know and talk to, and that is Jordan Lyles and Kyle Bradish, because the Orioles are a, a haven for starting pitchers, as you know, Austin. <laughs> as you know. Oh, I, yeah, I had Dean Kramer for a couple couple weeks. Yeah, how'd that work out? Uh, well, it was it was when he was on a roll, and, when, and it just matchups didn't work out, and I dropped him, and I dropped him at the right time. Check this out. A hundred uh, uh, ranked beyond 181st on the starting pitchers list. Guys like Ross Stripling, okay, <laughs> Martin Perez, All Star, Kyle Wright. <laughs> I mean, th- I mean, that's that's just the name of the game when it comes to pitching. Pitching is just so volatile. Like you just never. You, you may be good Cy Young candidate one season. And then you you're, you get rocked the next season. I mean, look at Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin for a while he was not the best, but he was up there. He was in a higher tier. And now Patrick Corbin, you you every fifth day you're like, oh, na- the Nationals are going to lose because Patrick Corbin's on the mound. Like that, that's an easy four or five runs in four innings, you know. So it's it pitching is just so volatile. You don't you don't know who's going to continue to succeed and who's not. And I got two more names for you. Then we can finish up here. Uh, beyond the 211th ranked starting pitcher on this list, 
uh, a big name that you would recognize is Justin Steele, who's uh, he's out for the I think he's out for the year now because of a, a back injury. I thought it was, oh. but mainly because the Cubs are just not good. They got <laughs> nothing to play for. Uh, so that's one guy. The other guy, my my favorite pitcher right now, Jose Suarez for the Angels, uh, ranked number 222nd on this list. Yeah, the, the Angels will, every once in a while, Angels pitchers will go on a tear, but their starting pitching actually has not been bad this year. It hasn't yeah. been terrible. It's been their bullpen that's been flat-out awful. Yeah. Um, you had Rice Iglesias, who was getting rocked for a long time. Aaron Loop was supposed to come in and be good. He wasn't great. Um, Ryan Tapera had a decent season. You're getting a good season from... Um, Oh, his name. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Jimmy Hegert, who is now their closer. Wow. Um, and then there was another, I just saw another one on the, on the fan leaderboards. Um, I think it was Jaime Berea or something like that. Um, but J- Jimmy Hegert was the one that, that, that jumped out at me. I was like, what? But other than that, there's just no, there's just nothing in the bullpen. It's All just pillows. Right, fi- Final question for you. All right, so we talked about Paul Goldschmidt. I, I I needed to ask you this beforehand, but uh, Paul Goldschmidt, top five first baseman coming into the season, probably will be your NL MVP uh-huh. in 2022. So let's play that game now. Paul Goldschmidt, is he better than Pete Alonso for next year? Are you ranking him ahead of Pete Alonso next year? It's uh, I probably won't because Pete, uh, because Pete Alonso is younger. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pete Alonso is my fourth best first baseman. Uh, okay, Pete Alonso or Matt Olson? I think I'm going to go with Alonso. All right, so that means Goldschmidt or Olson? That one's tough because Olson, I thought, was going to have a good year this year. Yeah. Um, left-handed bats, man, left-handed bats. I keep warning you guys about it. I think, I'd, I, think I would edge Goldschmidt. He's not going to have another triple crown season but I think he has one more good season left in him. All right. Paul Goldschmidt or Freddie Freeman? Freeman. Oh, and what, what about Pete Alonso versus Freddie Freeman? Freeman. Freddie Freeman versus Vladimir Guerrero for the, for the top spot there. Freeman. Uh, oh, you always oh, are going to put Freddie Freeman. Who's older ahead of Vladimir Guerrero. I may. All right. Pete Alonso or Vladimir Guerrero then. Mm. I think Vladdy has a, has a, not a bounce back season because he's had a good season this year, but um, I'm, I'm, season, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking uh, Vladdy has a better season than this, than this year. I'll, I'll go Guerrero. All right. And then uh, he has Paul Goldschmidt or uh, uh, Vladdy Guerrero for the number two spot. Guerrero. Dang. All right. All right. So it's going to be interesting when we, when we uh, do these again uh, next winter. Yeah. Yeah, because that ranking may totally change when we get when we get to the when we get to the spreadsheet. So yeah, the season and the injuries or free agency moves happen and yep. yeah, lots of things can change. But that's what we have it so far, or at least that's how Austin has it. He has what Freddie Freeman, Guerrero, and I guess uh, Alonzo at number three. Then Alonzo, then Goldschmidt, then and Olson. Olson. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Anyway, all right. So I think that pretty much concludes this podcast. Uh, so thank you, Felipe, uh, Felipe, for coming on. Um, I get a little lonely sometimes, so I appreciate you coming on. Um, you have any final parting words? Uh, we should be back on Sunday morning. Um, 
Yeah, Sunday morning. I know we had a we we were going to do a prospect show on Sunday uh, before Sean informed me that he wasn't going to be here for Labor Day weekend. But I hope I haven't heard from the guy. But hopefully we'll be back on Sunday. To, uh, a lot of these prospects were already called up, but I think we're going to talk a little bit about them, uh, just because uh, we had them on our radar back in late August, right before the turn of the month, right before the September call-ups were going to happen. Right. Um, so I do want to uh, at least uh, talk um, about those guys who were uh, who we were on our list and get some in-depth analysis on those triple uh, A and double A players that were um, that we were going to talk about last week, but we right. couldn't get a chance to do so. So mm-hmm. hopefully we get that on their way. Happy NFL season uh, kickoff to everybody. What's the score now, Austin? Do you have it there? Uh, I don't have the score. I have, I have no idea. I've been trying to watch the chat. Uh, 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 I like, you know how I am, man. I like to stamp it, stamp timestamp things, you know, what happened on this day. So the Buffalo Bills are up 17 to 10 on the Rams in the third quarter. Oh, it's closer. All right. Yeah, it's getting closer. Anyway, all right. So uh, I think that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Total Basis Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. Um, You can find us on YouTube, or you can find us live on Facebook at the Baseball Life Facebook group. Go ahead and the next, you know, I'm, I'm live on Thursdays and Felipe and Sean are live on Sunday mornings. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Go ahead and, um, you know, join the baseball life league and uh, interact with us live. It's so much fun to interact. Um, And until next time, thanks again and have a good one, everybody.